So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Welcome to Me and Thee and Three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Monica. I'm Jen. And I'm Rachel. And we're here to talk about how much we love Starsky and Hutch. And we thought we would start today's podcast by answering the question, who is your favorite one-off character? Now, this has to be a character who has only appeared in one episode, that does rule out some fan favorites like Sweet Alice, Merle the Earl. Only one episode. Jen, would you like to start? Sure. This may not be a popular choice, but I am oddly fond of Nick Starsky. I really like stories about family, and it's the only time we actually see blood family of uh, Starsky or Hutch on the show, to my knowledge. And also the dichotomy and the dynamic between Starsky and his brother is very much like the plot of Bruce Springsteen's Highway Patrolman. So I am fond of this idea of this upstanding cop brother who lets his scalawag brother get away with things sometimes because what is he going to do? It's his brother and he's going to protect him. Uh, If you look up this song, Highway Patrolman, I recommend looking up a cover because Bruce Springsteen mumbles like crazy. Or get uh, subtitles. I love Bruce Springsteen's Highway Patrolman, but yes, the entire album, Nebraska, was basically recorded in a microphone in his bathroom. Uh, So if you're looking for a good cover, I recommend the Dar Williams cover, uh, which is lovely and much better enunciated. I do love songs that are basically episodes of TV um, like, you know, maybe a couple of the lyrics don't match perfectly, but I'm reminded of Valencia by the Decemberists is almost exactly an episode of Due South. What episode? Uh, it's one where, um, Ray Vecchio, it turns out his childhood sweetheart is the sister of an up and coming boss, a mob boss. Have you seen that one? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen all the Vecchio it's episodes. A good, it's a good episode. <laughs> So, Monica, why don't you tell us your favorite? Um, okay. I'm going to cheat because I'm going to mention two, but the first one was the one I was going to go with, Joan Meredith. She's, um, okay, I love a lot of Starsky's girlfriends, but I think Joan is my favorite. Uh, she's just so fun, and she and Starsky have that great antagonistic at first, but then they realize that, you know, they really do get along well and they make a good team together. Um, and I, I like that it's so near the end of the show that I can like, okay, I ship Starsky and Hutch, but I know you're so shocked, but I also like the idea of Starsky hooking up with Joan and then also wanting to be close to Hutch and then them kind of forming a polyamorous V relationship, um, And I think that they'd all fit in pretty well like that. Like Hutch and Joan 
would be good friends, and then Starsky would be dating both Joan and Hutch. So Very oh, solid. Yes, but my actual answer, I just remembered that Edith Dobie only appears in one episode, and I love Edith so much, and I love it when the Dobie family is featured in fanfic. The Dobies are great. Dobie is my favorite character, basically. But And Edith is only in one episode, so, so she is my answer. Family! <laughs> Rachel, how about you? Okay, um... The long answer is Nick and Edith and Jillian and uh, who else are we talking about? Joan Meredith and basically like anyone and everyone because I love all the characters so much. Uh, I could just go on and on. It's just, I just, we see so little of all these one-off characters, but I feel like they're characterized so well still. You know, like, I I think, I sit and think about, like, stories involving Molly, and it's just like, oh, you know, I want to see more of her. Or or the woman in, um, I can't remember the episode. Um, uh, what was the episode? The Plague? No. Oh. Because I know you wrote a little fic with, uh... She was in, she was in two episodes. Oh, you're right. But it was no, a, the a one two-parter. where the, um, bus driver gets killed. The wheels on the bus. That's <laughs> terrible. Wait, bus as an actual, like, bus bus or, like, a security van? No, the bus driver one. The the Black Lives Matter one. Oh! Oh! Oh, yes. Um, Manchild on the Streets. Thank you. Terrible <clears throat> title. Good episode, though. Yeah, so Manchild on the Streets, um, the woman who follows them and, you know, is a witness and uh, makes sure that they write everything down is just... It, she is such a good character. Exactly. Yeah. These these characters who just sh- populate Bay City are so amazing. And I, I, true to form, like the first fix I read and wrote were ones um, about them, uh, you know, other people just doing stuff. And it's just amazing. So I can't pick. It's everyone. That is fair. I might not usually allow that answer because it's kind of a cop out, but I know that you even love Vanessa. So oh my god, can I talk about <laughs> Vanessa sometime? <laughs> oh my heart! I look forward to your defense of Vanessa at some future point. Oh, we should have an unpopular opinion segment. Yes. <laughs> recently went to the University of Iowa archives. They have a great fandom collection with tons of Starsky and Hutch fanzines and letter zines and uh, published novels and all sorts of great fandom artifacts. Artifacts? That makes it sound ancient. You know, fandom uh, objects. The ancient 1970s. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we looked at. Uh, we've been there twice previously. This was our third. Oh. No, you've been. Yes. You've been, you, you two have been there three times now. Yeah. I've only been twice. Okay. So we just wanted to talk about what we read and, and saw there. And did you want to go first, Rachel? All right. Well, the very first time I went, um, I just, there was just so much to look at. This is the amazing thing about the Iowa archives is there's just box after box after box 
of zines and other fan materials. So I just did a broad, broad, broad survey of like not only Starsky and Hutch, but professionals, Due South, uh, looked at some a Lois and Clark zine, which I got really excited about. So this time, the second time we went, I really wanted to just sit down and read a couple stories. Um, so what I first looked at was Strange Justice, which is an anthology, and it was the most gorgeous, most gorgeous zine I've seen. It had, um, like, gold foil on the front of it. It was absolutely beautiful. And I read the first story in that, which was Death Angelus. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have the um, author's name written down. I apologize. We'll have that in show notes. Um, And that was was a really fun uh, ghost story to read. And I really want to read more in the collection because... I do find the lack of SFF stories in Starsky and Hutch a bit lacking, and I do enjoy that a lot. So I like seeing those takes, and I thought this was um, a real organic incorporation of the supernatural into the Starsky and Hutch universe, which we have, as as this the opening note in Strange Justice noted, uh, is established because the psychic, right. Uh, <laughs> There is some supernatural canon happenings in Starsky and Hutch, which is a little odd because you could easily have told the story of the psychic without making it clear if the psychic was actually psychic. But no, it's clear he's actually psychic. Mm -hmm, They're very explicit about that. Uh, So I read the first story in that. And then I looked at a couple other zines. Um, One that I was really interested in reading was The Water is Wide. And that one, they actually don't have it listed as The Water is Wide because they don't have the cover page. It is a copied um, edition. And so it just starts with the first, with the title of the first story in the collection. So I was really pleased when I saw that it was the whole zine. And not just that first story. I also looked at a couple fan comics that had stylized drawovers of different scenes um, from the fix. And I actually really enjoyed that because it gave... uh, Well, it was actually from Partners. But it gave us a little uh, insight into what Hutch was thinking while Starsky reminded Hutch of the events of the fix. I remember looking at those, and those were interesting, and I liked that they were so different from anything I've seen in uh, internet fandom. Uh, Jen, did you want to go next? Sure. So I've spent most of my time looking at some letter zines, and in particular one called uh, Hanky Panky, and... I found that really fascinating from a historical fandom perspective because it appears to have been a zine shared among Starsky and Hutch Slash fans in particular who were tired of not being able to have conversations about the nuances of Starsky and Hutch Slash because they spent all of their time in the more mainstream zines fighting for the opportunity to even consider them as a romantic couple. Um, And so when you're starting from behind like that, you don't get into the nuances. So they created this separate zine and they were sharing a lot of topics, basically sharing their headcanon, although that wasn't a phrase used at that time, about 
what Starsky and Hutch would be like um, in a relationship, how other characters around them would react, whether or not they would... They, they put it as participate in the gay scene and no one replying really seemed to know what was being asked on that front. But that was fascinating in itself, uh, especially to see how people in the early 1980s when this scene was being circulated were conceiving of gay culture and uh, the gay community, particularly the gay male community when they were, were mostly women responding. Um... And so I found that really interesting. Um, there was a lot of good conversation about uh, their headcanon involving their families, about how Dobie and Huggy would respond. Everyone's response on that factor was basically identical. And it was that Huggy probably already knows they're together before they even get together. Also, Huggy's probably bisexual himself. And Dobie loves them and wants to support them, but is a little worried because of the complications of gay cops in the force. Like every single person had the same reply. <laughs> I love that everyone was united in correct opinions. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's so rare in fandom. Um, it was also just a great historical artifact. There were a lot of clippings in this zine from uh, gay magazines and newspapers. Some of them just funny jokes, but others, there was an entire like guide to the hanky code at one point um, just pasted in there. And that's why the zine was called the Hanky Panky. All of the covers were some fan art making jokes about the Hanky Code with uh, Starsky and Hutch. And I feel like fandom today doesn't really talk about the Hanky Code because it's not relevant um, in 2017. But it's useful for any historical fandom if you're talking about historical um, queer communities, um, particularly in the 70s and early 80s. It's nice to be able to see what people at the time were saying, even if they weren't necessarily part of these communities and you have to take it with a grain of salt. I did like, uh, I flipped through the first issue of the Hanky Panky and um, they had a list of recommended reading with queer content. And I, I was just really chuffed that uh, Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin was recommended on that list. I love that book. It's also interesting to note that in the more general zines, how you say that uh, uh, Slash fandom was justifying its existence, I noted that fandom hasn't really changed. <laughs> like, yes, we, we accept Slash's existence now without, uh, for the most part, without question, but there are still... Fans are still justifying certain things that... Oh, I don't know what I'm saying here. I do. I've read so many of these arguments that... Yeah, no one's gonna say... Broadly, people shouldn't write Slash. But there's still lots of arguments about... When it's okay to write Slash. Who it's... Like, who's okay writing Slash. Is that what you were saying? Well, but, like, what types of things? Like, um just in shipping in general, who you can ship, how you can ship, what types of stories you can write. Uh, the, the purity brigade on Tumblr is very strict about what you can uh, write. And so there's been a lot of fighting and fandom trying to combat that harmful attitude. And it's just interesting to see these, that while the subject of these fights change, these are still going on. 
there's always boundary drawing. There's always fights. And I, you know, I got into fandom in an era and in a fandom where the fights about whether or not you were allowed to write slash in the first place were still happening. I was in Newsies fandom and that was split very, very clearly between people who wanted to ship the uh, male characters and the people who just wanted to write stories with original female characters romancing the male characters. And there were a lot of fights between those two factions and that was the mid 2000s. So it wasn't that long ago. Um, and you still see a lot of fights today over whether or not RPF should exist. And uh, real person fiction was something that was happening even then. And I think Monica can tell us more about that. That was a beautiful segue. Uh, yeah, I started out um, at the archives by looking up the purple pages. And uh, some people on Facebook had mentioned uh, that they were very curious about the purple pages because it's very difficult to find copies these days. And it was RPF, which is real person fiction, written about the Starsky and Hutch actors, David Soule and Paul Michael Glazer. And it was being written while the show was still on and then shortly afterwards. So these are stories from the late 70s and the early 80s. And uh, that makes it one of the earliest Western RPF fandoms by modern standards. Um, and so I, I read the entire collection. And the one I was reading, these this wasn't a zine. It was just stories collected and handed around from fan to fan. They didn't put out a, a traditional zine because this was so undercover. You had to know someone who knew that you would be cool with this topic and then they would mail it to you. And my understanding was that there was a letter zine where some copies of the purple pages got sent out with a letter zine and that caused a huge fandom ruckus. Um, so I read these and they were, it was very interesting to see what was being written when the show was still so fresh. And uh, I admit like, I, I typically don't read RPF. I totally believe people have the right to write it. Like, I don't have a problem with it existing. But I really like the divide of fictional characters. And I understand that when you write RPF, you are writing fictionalized versions of the characters. I understand there is that divide there. But I really like characters that exist in their own fictional universe where you know what you're dealing with. it's It just feels simpler and cleaner to me that hu real human beings are so messy. And <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to kind of back away from that topic, actually. Um, but these these stories, uh, I, I went in kind of thinking that it would mostly be sexy hijinks on the set, stuff like that. But they actually included uh, family members, um... And there was a lot of angst, uh, a lot of like downer stories. And uh, I, I was glad to have read them just to know what kind of things were being written. But uh, it wasn't really my bag. Um, and then I also read uh, some really angsty hurt comfort. There was a, a zine called Snuff that Jen had read at a previous one. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God terrible things are happening to Hutch. And so I read that, and indeed, terrible things happen to Hutch. Yeah. They involve priests. Oh, yeah. All the content warnings. All the content warnings. And that was 
more recent one because that was from the two thousand early two thousands, wasn't it? Or am I, I? I honestly don't remember. It it okay. could it very well could have been. Um, there's yeah. just so much material in these archives that it's hard to even keep track. I mean, we've been there. Monica and I have been there three times now, and we have still barely scratched the surface. And we're just looking at Starsky and Hutch. So if there's any way that you can get to the archives at the University of Iowa and you have any interest in fandom history, I highly recommend it because there's a wealth of material there. And they're very friendly there. They're, uh, the staff are very nice. I recommend bringing chocolate to the staff. <laughs> so, you know, offer a sacrifice to the librarians. Then they won't be harsh with you. They carry heavy boxes. <laughs> it's true. They're very strong. Speaking of carrying things, I noticed that you have uh, a purple owl pillow on your lap, Jen. <laughs> I do have a purple owl pillow on my lap. And this is an anecdote which will hopefully be interesting to people who aren't us. Um, for a while, Walgreens was selling um, these enormous plush uh, creatures called squishimals. Um, <laughs> and they're very soft and they're sort of flat, so they make really good pillows. And Monica had been saying forever that we needed to buy more throw pillows. And so one day I went into Walgreens to pick up a prescription and came back with the prescription and also this enormous purple owl. And Monica shook her head at me, but I said, it's a pillow, it counts. So <laughs> I said, what, would, what should we name her? Um, because this owl has beautiful eyelashes, uh, and is purple. And Monica, you can tell I, me. Oh, I said, how do you know it's a her? And I said, you're right. It could just be a male owl with really nice eyelashes. What should we call him? And then the answer was obvious. It was Starsky. And so since then, I've been on a quest to get a hutch for this Starsky. And it turns out that there's this gray owl that looks exactly like the purple owl, only it has no eyelashes. And I thought, you know what? That would be a nice compliment. It would look good on the couch. And it, it's perfect because uh, Starsky does have beautiful dark eyelashes. Well, Rachel has coined the term princess eyes. Yes, to Starsky's princess eyes. Whereas uh, Hodge probably has blonde eyelashes. I mean, I've never really noticed them one way or the other. This is the problem with natural blondes. Yeah, you, and you can't can, see their eyelashes. This is, this is the great thing, actually. Like, I love that he is a natural blonde and that they don't, like, try to darken his eyebrows that much. So he, it's very obvious. You don't see natural blondes on TV often these days, I feel, so. He's a I Nordic type. That. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So, anyway, so I went looking online for this gray owl because... Uh, Walgreens had sold out of all of theirs. And I went to the website for these and I read the descriptions of these two owls because apparently they have character profiles as if they're Beanie Babies. And so this is the description of the purple owl, which we named Starsky. Give a hoot for Holly, the incredibly outgoing owl. Holly's bright purple feathers make her the belle of the ball. She loves to dance, make new friends, and shop. Holly likes to bake cakes and her favorite color is, you guessed it, purple. Holly is also an identical twin and shares a birthday on March 22nd with her brother, Hoot. Even though they are very different, they love every minute spent together. Holly admires Hoot's love for math and science, and he loves her creativity. 
He can't wait to see her live out her lifelong dream of performing on Broadway one day in the future. That was so beautiful. So Rachel has not heard this before, for the record. So Holly is the outgoing, fun owl who dreams of performing and loves to dance. So then I said, well, clearly I need to look up what this gray owl is all about. The gray owl's name is Hoot. Hoot and his sister Holly are complete opposites. He's quiet and likes to read and study, sometimes in his tree fort with his friend Cam. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. It gets better. But Hoot is also secretly a wonderful singer, but only when he thinks no one is watching. (laughs) Catch Hoot and his hootiful voice in the shower and you'll understand what we mean. When he grows up, he wants to be a doctor as he loves to help others feel better. He is quite the handy owl and is working his way to complete his Owl of Honor with the Owl Scouts. I am dying! <laughs> yeah, like, the the Holly one, like, yeah, Starsky is outgoing and loves to dance, but, like, Hutch in a tree fort playing the guitar quietly to himself and being a, a sea scout, like... <laughs> and wanting to sing but not wanting anyone to pay attention <laughs> and having terrible stage fright. I mean, it's perfect. Yes. And so when I read that profile, I immediately went on eBay, found this gray owl. It's supposed to arrive tomorrow. And so Starsky will finally have his hutch. It is so good. Beautiful. We were... We were... We couldn't find the owls at Walgreens anymore, so we were almost considering getting one of the hedgehog ones, and then we thought we would call it a hutchhog. <laughs> which I think is a cute name, but... But clearly Hoot the Owl has Hutch's spirit embedded within him. Yes. And it was necessary. <laughs> if you could see my face right now, I'm just like, oh, I, this is so beautiful and so perfect. I can't get over it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> um. So we've decided to make a regular segment... Do you want to introduce it, Rachel? All right. Well, this is the... Well, we don't have a clever name for it yet. Hopefully, eventually we will. But this is where we just sort of talk about uh, what sort of fan works we've been enjoying lately. So would one of you like to start? Well, I will start because I have been very busy and still have not read very much. But I've been enjoying the advent calendar, which uh, has been posted for the Starsky and Hutch fandom. That Monica introduced me to and day one was a digital uh, jigsaw puzzle and so one night uh, there was a, a lovely evening that Monica and I spent on the couch each of us doing a separate digital jigsaw puzzle on our computers and so that's my primary absorption of Starsky and Hutch fandom recently other than the archival materials but in terms of fic I'll have to delay that for another month or probably a month I'm going home for Christmas I also have been enjoying the advent calendar. Uh, I I think the fic on there has been great. And I'm really excited because I did indeed finish and submit a fic of my own to the advent calendar. Yes. So, um, and it's great. (laughs) Thanks. It's weird. Um, but, uh, one of the stories that was not on the advent calendar that I read recently was actually, um, uh, it was posted to GeoCities. And so I had to use the Wayback Machine to read it. And it, w- it was on fan lore, which is how I found it, how I found the link. Um, and it's, I forget what it's called. Great, I'm, I'm terrible at this. Oh, I think it's called Alone. Um, and it is about Hutch disappearing uh, 
and Starsky searching for him, but being unable to find him. And Hutch is gone for about two years. And then it turns out, well, you're with both of them throughout the story. And uh, it's about um, how Starsky tried to keep living his life while also constantly searching for Hutch. And then how Hutch was dealing with uh, basically just isolation for two years uh and then very long comfort and recovery and as i've mentioned in the previous episode i am a huge hurt comfort fan so this story was completely up my alley and i liked that uh that it devoted a lot of time to them you know healing together and uh there was also um an original character family um and they had a baby that was born while Hutch was missing and they were close to Starsky and so they named the baby David Kenneth and <laughs> and then when Hutch comes back uh, and still needs, like, he can't be alone for a while because he, he has a lot of anxiety and uh, at one point he starts freaking out and the baby calms him down, which was just like the cutest scene ever. I'm not even into kid fic, but like you know, Uncle Hutch with a little baby, you know, is great. So I am, and I need to read this. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> oh my god! So that was what I read. I highly recommend it. Um, you know what? I think I can tell you who the author is. The title is Alone, and uh, the author is Daydreamer. And if you search for it on fan lore, it has a link. Well, for me, uh, <laughs> here I am introducing this corner, and I haven't been doing that much in Starsky and Hutch recently, but I did listen to, well, I re-listened because I had the pleasure of beta listening to it. I listened to Hard Boiled Baby's new pod fic. Uh, oh, what's the title? Oh, God, what's the title? The Truth Comes Out, uh, written by Kame Austin Michaels and read by Hard Boiled Baby. And it is just a very sweet, delightful story. And I love how Hard Boiled Baby reads. And I highly recommend it. The title intrigues me. Is it about them coming out to Dobie? No, it is... Uh, Hutch injures his leg. I'm and here for that. Then they... It's, it's just a sweet post-series. Um... Wait, does he injure his leg in the woods in Minnesota? No. Okay. (laughs) They're chasing a perp. Okay. And he twists his ankle or something. And then he, he, um, it's not a serious injury, but he does have to keep his leg up. And they're, so they're doing desk work. uh, And then Dobie sends them home and then they share a sweet moment at home. Aw. For the most part. Any final thoughts? Aw, Starsky and Hutch love each other so much. They do indeed. Not, yeah, not an original thought, but an accurate one. <laughs> one I will always happily take. Oh, we could talk about how... No. <laughs> no. Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> I'm going to show my vast ignorance in this story, but I saw a post on Tumblr that was like, oh, there's a Notorious B.I.G. song that mentions Starsky and Hutch, and... I wanted to tell this to Jen, and I said, oh, Notorious Big <laughs> song. <laughs> and and Jen was like, you mean Notorious B.I.G.? And I was like, well, on Tumblr, they didn't use the period, so I didn't know. 
So I have I, I have heard of him. I really have. I just have a terrible memory. And I'd also forgot that he was dead. Yeah. I basically had to give a lecture on like 90s rap this morning, which was really not how I expected my morning to start. But hey, my life is unpredictable. Uh, we then watched the video for Hypnotize, which is weird. The lyrics, in case you're interested, are um, who is we? Uh, Poppy. Papa. Pop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who is we? Papa and Puff. Close like Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. So they're, they're, you know, using Starsky and Hutch as an example of close friendship, which is correct. Of, of Biggie and Puff Daddy, which one is Starsky and which one is Hutch? I couldn't tell you. Don't ask me. <laughs> I'll leave that for the listeners to decide. Oh, this does remind me. Um, the the other day I was looking at a parody that had aired in the eighties, and it was a multi fandom parody because it had a lot of different detective shows. And what was interesting, what I found really interesting, was I was just clicking through it because it is available on YouTube, and. I saw an actress in the middle of it who looked very familiar, and indeed, I looked her up, and she was in a couple episodes of Starsky and Hutch, and indeed, um, also one of the other shows that uh, this movie was parodying. So it was very interesting to see Roz Kelly, who was the actress, in this parody of things she'd actually been in, and I and I was curious. I didn't look up to see who else was in that who'd also been in these shows but it was it was just funny to see that and it was a nice um yeah i'd like to see more starsky and hutch parodies honestly well i think that about wraps it up so hopefully um we will come back hopefully at that point i will have actually read something will have gone through the rest of the advent calendar and have more insights to share uh happy holidays everyone thanks for listening Bye. 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 Like Pulsita. It's a song and it has the line I wanna publish zines and rage against machines. <laughs> and I feel like I want that clip involved somehow.